And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, and to all the children of Israel, and say to them, Whatever man of the house of Israel or of the strangers in Israel who offers his sacrifice for any of his vows or for any of his free will offerings which they offer to the Lord as a burnt offering, you shall offer of your own free will a male without blemish from the cattle, from the sheep, or from the goats. Whatever has a defect, you shall not offer. For it shall not be acceptable on your behalf. And whoever offers a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord to fulfill his vow or a free will offering from the cattle or the sheep, it must be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no defect in it. Those that are blind or broken or maimed or have an ulcer or eczema or scabs, you shall not offer to the Lord nor make an offering by fire of them on the altar of the Lord. Either a bull or a lamb that has any limb too long or too short, you may offer as a freewill offering, but for a vow it shall not be accepted. You shall not offer to the Lord what is bruised or crushed or torn or cut, nor shall you make any offering of them in your land. Nor from a foreigner's hand shall you offer any of these as the bread of your God, because their corruption is in them and defects are in them. They shall not be acceptable on your behalf. Now let's turn to Isaiah chapter 1, verses 1 to 20. This is also about sacrifices, offering sacrifices and offering worship to God. And there, here we'll see that God will not accept us going through motions. Isaiah chapter 1. Verses 1 to 20. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know my people, does not know my people do not consider. Alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. Why should you be stricken again? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. And the whole heart faints. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed or bound up or soothed with ointment. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Strangers devour your land in your presence, and it is desolate, as overthrown by strangers. So daughter of Zion is left as a booth in the vineyard, as a hut in the garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city, unless the Lord of hosts had left us to us a very small remnant. 
we would have become like Sodom. We would have been made like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, the rulers, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, and the calling of assemblies, I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They are a trouble to me. I am weary of burying them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear, for your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now. And let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. That's also... I'll add another reading this morning. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshippers once purified would have no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you do not desire by the body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire nor had pleasure in them which are offered according to the law then he said behold i have come to do your will o god he takes away the first that he may establish the second by that will we have been sanctified 
through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Now let's turn to our text, Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 to 14. Two weeks ago, we've heard how the Lord loves his people. He has laid the foundation of love. Now comes the burden of the word of the Lord, the rebukes, which is the main part of the most, the most part, the big, bigger part of the Malachi. We start with the polluted offerings, starting from verse 6. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts. To you priests who despise my name, name, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept your favor favorably? Says the Lord of hosts. But now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us. While this is being done by your hands, will he accept you favorably? Says the Lord of hosts. Who is there even among you who would shut the doors so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hands. For from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place, incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it. In that you say, the table of the Lord is defiled, and its fruit, its food is contemptible. You also say, oh, what a weariness. And you sneer at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring the stolen, the lame, and the sick. Thus you bring an offering. Should I accept this from your hand, says the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and takes a vow, but sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Thus for the reading of God's holy word. May he bless his word, the reading of his word and the preaching of his word.
dear brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, how are you worshiping? Are you worshiping properly? Are you worshiping God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind? Or is it half-hearted? How focused are you during public prayer? Do you think of what you're singing? Are you keen to listen to the sermon, to God's word being proclaimed? There's nothing more important in your life than public worship and worship in your life. Think of how Cain reacted when God didn't receive his offering. He didn't think to offer pure offerings, to worship him properly, but he reacted in a wrong manner. And you know the disastrous consequences he suffered. He murdered his own brother out of anger, and he was cursed by God. When man doesn't worship God properly, the results are disastrous. So we ought to ask ourselves this important question, am I worshiping God properly? The text that we have today will answer, help you answer this question because it's about worship. It's about offering animal sacrifices, which is the Old Testament way of worshiping God. And in this text, we'll see how to worship God and how not to worship God. We'll focus on this, theme, on this text with this theme. God demands that his name be honored with sacrifices. We will consider two points. First, he rebukes polluted sacrifices. And second, he promises pure sacrifices. In our text, we have the remnant of Israel. Jerusalem had been sacked. God's people were carried off to Babylon. And just a small remnant was brought back to Jerusalem. They, with much difficulty, built the temple. They have no king. They have no power. And what's going to preserve them until the promised Messiah comes, until the king comes and restores everything? How are they going to maintain their identity or who they are if not with the love and zeal for God? What's going to set them apart as God's people when they're mixed with all kinds of culture under the Persian Empire? If not, their distinct worship of the one true God. This is what's at stake in our text. And do you see how relevant this is for us who are also exiles? who are also living in this world, yet we cannot be of this world. We're called to live as priests. How are we going to wait properly, maintaining who we are in Christ as we wait for the second coming of Christ? It will be through worship. But in our text, the priests were failing at worship we get an example of how not to worship God as we see God rebuking the priests for their polluted offerings. And by polluted offerings, God means the act of offering blind, lame, or sick animals. And as we've read, these are 
polluted because they are unacceptable to God. We read in Leviticus chapter 22 that God only accepts perfect animals without blemish. And we saw he didn't want animals blind or disabled or mutilated or having a discharge, eczema or scabs. Yet, God's people were bringing them to the temple and the priests were sacrificing them. And this is terrible because this, is what, this reflects what was in their heart. In their heart, they did not honor God. They despised his name. They thought of God with contempt. This is so terrible because this is not just about breaking the law, which is terrible in itself, but it's also what's a reflection of what's in their heart. It's an expression of what's in their heart. And God sums up what they were feeling in verse 13. They were saying and sneering at the sacrifices, oh, what a weariness this is. The priests were tired of sacrificing to God, worshiping God. And that was coming out in the quality of the animals they were bringing. And what they were doing was terrible because it completely misses the point, the purpose of sacrifices. The point of sacrifice, giving sacrifices to God, was to give up something valuable to you. And to the remnant, animals were precious, they were valuable, it was their livelihood. They didn't have them, the animals, sheep or cattle, just as pets. They earned their living with their wool and milk and meat. So when they sacrificed these animals without blemish, they were giving us something of value. And who knows what a good animal could mean for them. A bigger house, warmer clothes, better food, better education for their children. And when they were giving this up, sacrificing this animal, they were saying to God, all these conveniences, comforts, and pleasures are mo- is less important to me than you, O oh God, because you are the most important thing in my life. And that was honoring to God's name. But they weren't doing that. They were just bringing lame or sick or blind animals. And that didn't cost them much. Because we have to remember, these are animals, and they didn't have antibiotics, they didn't have vets, and sick and disabled animals depreciate in value extremely fast. They would die quickly, and they were going to lose them anyway, or they had to get rid of them anyway, otherwise the sickness will spread, who knows. So offering disabled animals, sick animals, don't cost them much at all. So it completely misses the point of giving up something that's valuable. And it's not honoring to God at all. In fact, it was self-serving. What's worse is that when they bring these sick animals, these disabled animals, they have an added benefit of looking more pious and devoted to God than they, are actually, they actually are. Imagine if someone went to the temple every single time there was an animal with blemish. Everyone will see it. There goes Mr. So-and-so again. Wow, he's, he's godly. He's devoted. The neighbors would say that would be the equivalent of Pharisees praying on the street corner so everyone could watch them. It was self-serving for God's people, but it was also self-serving for the priests too. They weren't complaining either. 
Because whether it was blind or lame, a sacrifice means more meat for them. So it was self-serving to them as well. It wasn't honoring God. They were serving themselves. And perhaps they were fooling themselves too that God was pleased with such sacrifices, thinking, well, it's better than nothing. At least I am sacrificing to God. At least I am showing up to the temple. But God wasn't pleased with their sacrifices. In fact, he was insulted. He says, even your governor won't accept this. But I am a great king. I am the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the heavenly armies. And are you bringing this to me? Don't treat me less than your governor. In fact, I wish someone would close the doors of the temple to shut it down so that this blasphemy would stop. Notice what he says. God is making it clear that half-hearted worship is worse than no worship at all. If it's not wholehearted worship, he would not rather, he would rather not have it. No worship is better than half-hearted worship. That's because generally the people of the world, when they do not worship, they don't taint God's name, usually. But those who come to worship can taint God's name and his table. We can blaspheme God with our worship. But if the world in the world, when they don't worship, they don't taint God's name, but we can. For example, think of the sons of Aaron. If they didn't offer strange fire, they wouldn't have died. But because they worshiped disrespectfully and insulted God, they died. Bad worship is worse than no worship. God is more disturbed and insulted by hypocrites than unbelievers. That's convicting because we often don't give God our best in our worship. We don't worship God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. Often we give him leftovers, leftover time, leftover energy. You often just go through the motions when you worship. I admit that what is best can look different for each one of us. But I'm asking what's in your heart. That's what matters. We know that our Lord Jesus cares about the heart. Think of the rich person putting in lots of money in the offering box at the temple and the poor widow putting in just two copper coins. Outwardly, it appeared that the rich person gave more, but this is what Christ says. Christ says that the poor widow has given more because she gave out of her poverty. So in that way, what's best worship might look differently for each one of us. It will depend on your health, the season of life, how busy you are, the situation. But what's important is your heart. So let's examine ourselves. What's in your heart? Are you giving your best to God when you worship him? Your first fruits to God. How are you worshiping God? Even right now, how are you worshiping him? 
This is how a polluted offering and half-hearted worship might look like. How about going to bed late at night is Saturday because you don't have to work anyway on Sunday. It's just worship. I'll still show up. Are you falling asleep during worship? Are you half as sharp as you are normally because you didn't go to bed on time on Saturday? Is that acceptable? How would your spouse or your significant other react if that's how you are during dates when you spend quality time with them? Would they appreciate that? How about resorting to just watching live stream? I understand that there are senior members and those who, are, who have physical difficulties or those who are ill who cannot come to church. And it's not feasible to come to church. But when you are healthy and when you reasonably can come to church in person, but because you're too lazy or whatever, then you resort to watching live stream. Are you saying that you sing praises better at home? Are you saying that you, are, you can listen to the sermon better at home? Are you saying that you can love the body of Christ, your brothers and sisters, better by staying at home? And how would God, what would God think of that? Is it better than nothing? How about devotions? Are you doing it in such a rush that you don't even remember what you've read? How about prayers being so, becoming so routine that you don't even think about the words that you are praying? And what's convicting is that we might think to ourselves, well, it's, it's better than nothing. At least I came to church. At least I listened to the sermon. At least I'm doing devotions. Is God pleased with that? Should God thank you for being here? Is it actually better than nothing? No, half-hearted worship is worse than no worship. If you're here just to go through the motions, it would have been better for you to just stay at home. That's because God says that it's more offensive to him than not doing anything. God says, I have no pleasure in in that at all. You despise my name by doing that. Where is my honor if I am the Father? Just close the doors. Just shut the church down. Stop doing this. Stop being a hypocrite. That way God rebukes polluted sacrifices. He rebukes half-hearted worship. Then what can we do about it? We come to the second point, the promise. He promises pure sacrifices. What can we do about our half-hearted worship? And thankfully, we read about the promise of pure sacrifices in verse 11. For from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place, incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. God surprisingly doesn't say, okay, now bring pure offerings. 
he gives a promise that his name will be honored through pure sacrifices, that his name will be great. Think of all this promise in the shoes of the original hearers of Malachi. This would have been something that would be unimaginable to them. How could people offer sacrifices and incense in every place? Think of it from the view of the Jews. The only designated place for an offering and sacrifice was in the temple. In fact, God repeatedly forbid people from sacrificing in high places in Judea. And that's why you will read about kings, good kings, removing high places. But here God promised that, that in every place, even outside of the temple, incense and pure offering will be offered to his name. Second, if, they would have thought, if incense and offerings were being offered in every place, how are they going to be pure offerings? Who's going to supervise those offerings? In our text, it's a small remnant. They still have a temple. Even with a centralized system, with the priests overlooking the sacrifices, the Israelites are struggling with the quality of animals. And, but if people are offering sacrifices and incense in every place, who is going to be in charge of supervising that? Who is going to be in charge of quality control? And thirdly, who will be these people who will be offering sacrifices in every place anyway? Are, we, are the Jews going to multiply them, them much that everyone's going to do that? Or are people going to become Jews? From, as a listener in the time of Malachi, this would have been unimaginable. There's just too many logistical questions that needs to be answered. But if only it could happen somehow, they can't deny that it's a glorious promise. Just as we, just as you want to know how to worship God properly, there would have been faithful Jews who are longing to worship God properly. Could you imagine their suffering? Could you imagine being someone who was godly during this time? How sad it would have been to see this great nation of priests being diminished as a remnant and that remnant, that small remnant, is, is plagued with corruption? Could you imagine his religious life? Even if this person were to offer a pure offering, how would his religious experience be? Would this person be assured without a shadow of a doubt that his sins are forgiven when he sees the corruption and is bitter and resentful? as he's worshiping? Wouldn't it concern him that his sacrifice was handled by a corrupt priest? That his sacrifice, even though his is pure, is offered on a polluted altar, polluted because of defiled animals or defective animals? As he stands and watches his sacrifice being burned up, would he be assured of God's forgiveness and favor? It would have been a sad experience to go to the temple to worship God. But God gives them hope. He gives a beautiful promise, a glorious promise to those who are suffering because of corrupted worship. This is also what gives us hope. Who is getting worn down? 
who is perhaps dissatisfied with worship in our church, churches. This is also a message of hope for those who are worn down, those weary priests. Think of the priests. Empathize with them. The priests who are slaughtering animals in a hot summer day, morning and night, in the freezing winter, again morning and night, constantly draining the blood and taking the innards, the guts out, and smelling like blood and gut, and smelling blood and gut as well, day in and day out. Who wouldn't think that that is wearisome? Who wouldn't be weary? The promise of a pure offering is also good news for them too. God is going to do something so that my weakness would not pollute his sacrifices. What's amazing, brothers and sisters, is that we already live in that reality This passage might have reminded you of what we read in John 4. When Jesus Christ talks to the the women at the well in Samaria, she says, Our ancestors worshipped on those mountains. Jews worship in the temple. But Jesus says, There will come a time. There will come a time The hour is coming, believe me, women. The hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain or nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. For God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The hour is coming, and it's now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. And we live in this era already. 2,500 years after God promised pure offerings in Malachi, we are this morning offering pure offerings to God far, far removed from Jerusalem. And there are other brothers and sisters all around the world offering sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. The offerings of the Old Testament were not only corrupt, because of the priests, as we read in Malachi, but there was this sense that it was insufficient as well. Even those that are acceptable were insufficient. We read in Hebrews chapter 10, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. But Jesus Christ came as a perfect sacrifice, and with his perfect obedience, he met the requirements of a pure and unblemished sacrifice. And through Christ, incense and pure offerings are offered in every place. We're not talking about sacrificing Christ as in the Roman Mass, but we're talking about offering ourselves as a living sacrifice through Christ. So, that is our answer. I was asking in the first point of the sermon, how are you worshiping God? Are you, off, are you worshiping God properly? If I were to ask you, would God accept your sacrifice, your worship today, right now, how would you answer that? Well, 
It will depend. It depends on whether you are worshiping in Christ, through Christ, or you are worshiping with your own strength. Let's say that you are dedicated. You're a disciplined person. That's your personality. You're dedicated to God in your worship. And all the examples that I gave about live streaming or falling asleep, none of that applied. That's not a problem for you. Then, would God accept your worship? Is that good enough? Well, it depends. Let's say you went to bed on time and you are sharp this morning. You can remember the points when you go home. You can remember the illustration, what the minister said, and you know the application. Now, would that be acceptable to God? Would that be sufficient? It depends. But if you are relying on yourself, if you think that your worship is acceptable because of how diligent you are or how broken and contrite your heart is, you're again offering polluted sacrifices. Even if you are so moved by the worship, either through singing or praying, that you are crying and weeping in your worship, asking for forgiveness in your sins, and you feel bad for your sins, your offering will not be acceptable. Your worship will not be acceptable if you are relying on yourself. They are all filthy rags. Even your tears of repentance need to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Nothing you do in yourself is acceptable to God. But... If I were to ask, is your worship acceptable to God? And I said, it depends. But if you are looking to Christ's perfect sacrifice, your worship will be acceptable. Paul writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This is possible through Christ. You can read this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 to 5. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by man, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. Speaking of Jesus Christ, if you come to him, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Being a spiritual priesthood allows you to do this, he says, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable God through Jesus Christ. So, this is how you do it. This is also what the author of Hebrews writes in chapter 13, verse 15. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. If you were to worship in your own strength, nothing you do will be acceptable. But we can worship God. We can offer acceptable sacrifices through Christ. We can sing acceptable, give sacrifices to God by singing to God through Christ. 
So if you know that even your best is tainted with sin, and you look to Christ's sacrifice, then his perfect obedience will be counted as yours, and his sacrifice is good enough. It is sufficient. Even if you're distracted in public prayer, if you believe in Christ, his perfect prayers will cover your imperfect prayers. Even if you don't know, if you've missed in singing the words that you're supposed to think about, but if you look to Christ, his perfect singing will cover your imperfect singing. If you believe in Christ, the polluted listening, your distracted listening of God's word, my polluted preaching of God's word, all of our polluted sacrifice, all of our polluted obedience to God will be covered by Christ's perfect obedience. And this is good news for us. This is great news for us. Because who can claim that, that he worships perfectly or that his devotional life is perfect? If we're honest, it's often rushed, not without reason, because you have busy lives. It's hard to concentrate on devotions at the reading around the table because your children are crying and complaining. It's hard to focus on worship because you have scurvy kids with you on each arm. It's hard to focus. And perhaps, just maybe, the sermon isn't great either. And then you might be walking away from this church building thinking, what have I done in this worship service? Have I worshipped God with all my heart? Would God be glorified? Through my worship, with what I've done, would he give his grace to us, to me, with the worship, the kind of worship I've done? But the answer is that if you believe in Christ, if you repent and look to Christ, God is glorified. And he will bless you richly because of Christ. In Christ, your worship is acceptable. And you can worship God properly in Christ. He has given you the Holy Spirit. You can focus. Rely on the Holy Spirit. You can please God through Jesus Christ. The truth is that Christ's perfect obedience covers your imperfect worship. And God does not just accept your worship. He is delighted in your worship. He is pleased with your worship. It's as if Jesus Christ himself is worshiping here. It's actually it's better than that. We actually have Jesus Christ as our minister in the heavenly temple. If the Old Testament people were asking who will be in quality, who will be in supervising the worship, who will be in charge of quality, checking the quality of the worship, it's Jesus Christ in heaven. He is the minister. So even as you come here, burdened with your inadequacy, if you look to Christ and worship with all your heart, then God will be pleased with your worship and delighted with your worship. So brothers and sisters, as you pray, as you sing, as you listen to God's word, look to Jesus Christ and believe in him and know that your worship delights God 
and God is pleased with your worship. Amen. Let's come before our God in prayer. Our gracious God, Father in heaven, Father, we confess that often we do go through motions and we do not worship you with such zeal as you require from us. But we thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that he has paid for such imperfect worship for all our sins. And Father, we thank you that he is in the heavenly temple as a minister, as someone who is in charge of the worship that is going on in every place in this world, that although our praise, our prayer, and our listening is imperfect, our worship is delightful to you, that you are pleased in our worship. And we also pray for the Spirit of Christ that we may worship you rightly. Though we cannot worship you rightly in our own strength, we know that we can do so through the Holy Spirit. So help us to strive Help us to work out our salvation through worship because we know that it is you who are in us working both to will and to work. All this we ask, not because we deserve it, but only through the name of our high priest, Jesus Christ.